talking about straining for that logo on the side of your helmet and not the name on your back. Yes, sir. Because we know what it represents. It represents everybody here you see and everybody you can't that we've talked about. I'm here to strain with you, man. I swear to God I'm here to strain with you. Let's go. Everything you got, strain with everything you got. Let's go. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. You're listening to the Off Tackle with John Fetus Show with your host, Joe Miller. Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Off Tackle with John Fina Show, and I'm the host, Joe Miller, that guy over there. John, you look you look better with the helmet on. Can, can we get the helmet back? <laughs> <laughs> Helmets in the other room, brother. Yeah, and uh, what we're gonna do if you're ready, Matt Perino, backstage, we're gonna go and bring Matt in right now. So this is the Off Tackle with John Fita show. I should probably do the whole thing on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Brought to you by apparently Q42 because I didn't change the graphics, but uh, I don't think Iman is feeling bad about that. So we'll we'll throw Iman a bone here tonight. But uh, with special guest. Matthew Perino. What's up, Matt? What is up, gentlemen? It's uh, scoop season out here. Some big breaking news here. No longer a Buffalo Bill, but John Feliciano going to New York. And my my phone's blowing up. It's so funny. The, the experience when you actually do break news as a local reporter, like your entire world blows up. And so I got a text message from you, Joe. And I'm like, I'm kind of like parsing through all this stuff, trying to make sure I have all p- parts of the, the story out there. But uh, the Giants are going to give Feliciano a chance to play center, and that's what he was looking for on the uh, on the free agent market. And uh, he's going to rejoin Bobby Johnson and Brian Dable. So some big news to start off. We got a lot of Bills news to talk about too. Well, Harrison Phillips gone, right? Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. How, how how long? Like I don't know how I missed it. I was on Twitter. Came down, like I poured, my, I poured myself a drink, came downstairs. John gets on. He's like Harrison Phillips gone. I'm like, what? What do you mean Harrison Phillips is gone? How did well, that was. It's funny. I literally just filed a story on Tim Settle. Uh, after all the free agent signings, I do like a five thoughts and I grade the move. And so one of the bullet points was how I kind of was talking through how I thought it meant the end for Harrison Phillips because I thought he was going to yep. probably find his market at about what he got. It was actually a little bit more than I thought he was going to get. And uh, Settle, they get Settle, they get Daquan Jones uh, coming over from Tennessee. That's another move that just got yep. announced. Uh, so I, I bet you. If you look at those two guys, they probably land in terms of cap hit to combine less than Phillips would count for Minnesota this year. So, again, another couple of moves by Brandon Bean, some wizardry here on day one of the legal tampering period. Well, it goes back to I'm in a group chat with Marino and uh, Bruce and I think Greg, and I was just like, if Brandon Bean somehow figured out a way to cut Darrell Williams, save $6.5 million, and then get Saffold, who's an upgrade, for less than Darrell Williams – they should just put a statue of him in the end zone, right? <laughs> I mean, because that's it seems like that's potentially I don't even know how to do this show. Like when there's like news, like within five minutes of the show starting, there's news coming down the pike. John hasn't even spoken yet. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know I, which is a first. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm happy to sit back for at least one minute. By the way, Matt, welcome to my show. Great having you on. Yes. Uh, you're a great follow on Twitter. I mean, I get most of my information from you and and some of the other great people following our beloved Buffalo Bills. So I appreciate the hard work that you do. I was flipping through. I Like Joe said, I gave him the news about uh, Daquan Jones showing up. Yep. 
and about Harrison Phillips departing. So it's, uh, I love this. Like we'll be on the show for 40 minutes or so. And who knows when we get off, you're going to be behind mm-hmm. the eight ball. I apologize in advance for the scoops that you're going to miss, <laughs> but you know, that's Keep the Twitter price. Open. It's the price of being a star on the off tackle show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a true honor uh, for me as somebody that uh, I, I talked about this a lot on my show. And when I go on shows, it's like when you cover the team, I grew up a Bills fan, obviously. When you cover the team, a dynamic changes a little bit. When you're in the locker room, you know. I mean, the Jerry Sullivans of the world, the Mark Gons of the world, the Vic Carucci's. You have to kind of have this, you know, this line in the sand. Like, you know, you don't want to cross it. You don't, when you're in that locker room, you want to be held to a standard. You want to hold yourself accountable. I don't shy away from the fact that I was a Bills fan. And I was a Bills fan for all those years you uh, lined up at left tackle for the Bills. Mm. So uh, it's, it's an honor for me to join the show and uh, talk to you as well. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, at, at the risk of uh, stealing Joe's thunder. There's no thunder. There's no thunder. So <laughs> I, so far, and, I, and it's a lot to unpack because things have moved really quickly. What do you think is the most impactful thing the Bills have done uh, from the signing of Isaiah McKenzie to what we've just seen in the past, uh, you know, three to five hours? We didn't even talk about Isaiah McKenzie. They stole right. the guy. That's they right. stole the kid from the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, like, so I, I think that these defensive interior defensive, um, additions, defensive line additions, they could be absolutely critical in terms of what you're trying to do next year operationally in, in big time games, potentially against the Colts. If they get a quarterback and that offense, we saw what they were able to do to them, uh, during the regular season last year, you know, you got to find answers against Kansas city chiefs as well. But I'm going to the offensive side, and you, you lose John Feliciano. I know he's kind of like a you know a depth piece, but Daryl Williams has started every game he's been on the roster for the Bills over the last two seasons. He's versatile. He can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. And so we all kind of agreed, I think, you know, in, in you know the content creating world, the media world, that you know Daryl Williams, that six million dollars, it was just too high a number for a guy that you had pegged as a guard now to kind of eat that nine plus million cap hit next year. And then I think it was even a little bit more in year three. It made too much sense to move on, but you move on. That's all well and good. You got to fill that hole. And Brandon Bean is a expert when it comes to doing that, probably on the cheap. The numbers aren't out yet as we started this on what Saffold's deal is. I bet it lands somewhere around four to 6 million, depending on where they landed it on and maybe some incentives, but this is a guy that was set to earn 10 million this year. He's still, mm. he's coming off of a pro bowl. He was an all pro under Aaron Cromer. I think if you're talking about getting a, a value uh, player on the offensive line, this is an absolute home run. He wants to win a championship. It's still kind of what's driving him here. And at 34 years old, listen, we just saw Andrew Whitworth uh, in, yep. in the Super Bowl at 40 years old. I mean, it's kind of like there's so many things that teams can do to keep guys feeling young that I think, yeah. uh, you know, he's in a spot to really have success. Linking back up with Cromer and maybe playing alongside Deion Dawkins. Well, Saffold yeah. talked a lot. Sorry, John. Saffold talked a lot in his presser today just about overworking himself, the, the whole two-a-day thing, that he didn't take days off. And so, like, literally, because, you know, we do the Hump Day Hotline on Wednesdays, and that's the same day as your show, and, and Spence and I go through, Jay Spence and I go through the just, like, who's inactive, and there's always a veteran rest day. And I literally visually saw Saffold vet rest day. <laughs> like over and over again in my head because he just he said he was going too hard last year for sure. But you know, Matt, when you said what you just said about uh bolstering the interior defensive line and then the move they made getting Saffold and releasing Daryl Williams, 
you know, my feelings are they, we don't know. They could have gone, Bean could have gone to Daryl and said, we love you at guard. It's too much money. Do you want to stay and make less? We don't know if that, that happened or not. Uh, I would imagine I would have done it because I think that uh, he, he played great. And I thought he was, he was a great addition. I'm glad we got Saffold. I think that's brilliant. What I love about the two big guys if and the D-line, now if they're both contributors and they're both, you know, uh, three-down players or at least two, two-and-a-half-down players, I kind of am excited in my mind, as small as it is, that we might see Ed Oliver on the edge a little bit because he does have some really keen abilities working on the edge of tackles and, you know, a la um, John Randall, similar size, similar explosiveness, speed. That mm-hmm. might be a wrinkle we could throw at if we're not going to go out and get a premier pass rusher. Do you think that is uh, anything that they could be thinking about as far as moving guys around? Well, it's something that I feel like every year gets brought up to Leslie Frazier at some point. Like, do you guys ever think about, you know, just tossing them out there? The same kind of thing kind of happens with Tremaine Edmonds, which I think is a little bit of a different conversation. That would be a complete position change. Although when they when they have blitzed him off the edge at times, you kind of see flashes of what it could look like, I guess, if he were to train at that spot. But I think that's interesting. I wouldn't rule that out. But what's funny, I went back and watched Settle's 2019 highlight uh, tape on YouTube. He was rushing off the edge for Washington, playing at about 315 back in 2019. So this is an athletic freak of a player. He went in the fifth round. It's interesting. He played at Virginia Tech with Tremaine Edmonds. He can rush up the middle. He can play the nose. He can play at three technique. He can even do some work off the edge. I mean, you're talking about uh, kind of a five-tool player if we're talking about a utility guy in baseball. So um, I really like the move, and I think that they got to start getting a little bit creative with how they use these guys, change things up, because I think, you know, what happened in the the divisional round game is that the Kansas City Chiefs came in there and said, you know, player for player, guy for guy, we're going to we're, we're confident that we're going to beat you again. And now that's two straight games. Oh, I think it's over a thousand yards of total offense. They need to find some different answers. And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a little bit of a tweak to their scheme and what they ask certain players to do next year. I agree. It's funny. Ladies and gentlemen, first of all, you're you're tuned into the Off Tackle with John Fita show uh, with the host Joe Miller, that's myself, and special guest Matt Perino on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Um, there's so many spines and so many directions we can go. I sent both of you kind of a list of questions, kind of a roadmap, and like my mind is swimming. Like I, I came into this show thinking, well, we're going to ask Matt about Tim Settle and like what he thinks of Tim Settle and then all this <laughs> other stuff drops. But I want to ask before we move on from from Saffold. Now, Saffold said in his press for today, which you were in, I heard the question that you asked. Um, he, he said, I think that there's, they've got him slotted as left guard. Now, John and I have had conversations specifically with Ruben Brown talking about going from left to right and right to left and stuff like that. And it's not as easy as we, the fans kind of, well, if he plays right guard, just throw him over to left guard. Like it's not that big of a deal. And he plays left guard, just throw him to right guard. He said, he's going to play left guard. And John and I off like, like before the show started, we're having a conversation about what's going to happen at right guard. Now, obviously Ryan Bates restricted free agent. The rumor is the Buffalo bills are going to tender him as low as possible. Potentially Mm -hmm. if somebody comes in, match it to keep him. But there's that there's that guy out there, that Cody Ford guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, what? I don't I don't know like, how you solve that. Is he uh, is he getting another solution? Like, is he getting another chance? Like, what are we talking about from from what do, what do, what do you think is going to happen at right guard? And you took the question out of my mouth, Joe, because that's where I was going next. <laughs> honestly. So, from my perspective, I've been a 
three-year Cody Ford defender, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that while I do think that the Bills are moving in a little bit different direction, like I think that that, you know, slower feet, plodding, road grader type of style player isn't necessarily the guys that they're going to covet. I don't think that you need to necessarily put Cody Ford in a box, knowing that now he's going to have a new voice in that offensive line room. And some of the work that Aaron Cromer has done uh, throughout his career, like, first of all, getting a guy like Roger Saffold in here, think about this guys. And John, you could probably speak to this. There's a big difference when you get an interior guard. I mean, Mitch Morse is a center and some, mm -hmm. so from some of my conversations, there's a difference between centers and guards. You know what I mean? I mean, there's some guys that could do both, but you know, he's kind of in his own world, like worrying about what everybody's doing when you're specialized in playing guard, you're doing a specific thing, whether you're doing it on the right side or the left side. And I think having a guy like Saffold, an all pro back in 2018 pro bowler last year, there's just a different level of experience and accomplishment in this league for a guy like Cody Ford to get a chance to go learn. I think this is the best guard that the bills have had on their roster in the Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott era. I don't know if that's too bold of a statement at this point, but this is a bona fide top tier guy. Now I know he's 34 years old, but I'm mm. talking about what he's accomplished in this well, league. And so you and add you, that to the mix. And, and you know, you, you've, you've got a, a ripening period right now. You know, you can't hold this group together forever. So, mm -hmm. you know, last year was our year and it wasn't, and this year is the year you don't have a lot of time. So a 34 year old guy is not a big, it's not a big deal. I, I, you can have two, three productive years out of him, but it's still, you, you talk about him that way, but he still didn't say anything about Cody Ford, the right guard position. Now, mm -hmm. I, you know, the bills historically have rotated in practice. Guys play multiple positions, either side of the line. So Rick Bates, if they keep him, is that the solution? Because you might be a huge defender of Cody Ford. I, from what I see, I don't see it. So where do we land? No. So while I've, while I've said that I could see both scenarios at this point, right? Like I could see the scenario where, all right, we bring him to camp. We let him compete. I don't think they're going to stop adding. I probably think they add another veteran or two yeah. in yeah. free agency. And then I think, you know, there's, this is the one thing that I've written about over the last couple of days is that you go to the draft strategy last year. They have nine picks coming up in April last year. They went heavy at tackle in the third and the fifth round. I could see them doing that again this year, grabbing two interior offensive linemen, maybe a center developmental center of the future, maybe a guard or two. And then you just kind of let the, let the pieces fall where they may. Now the danger in that, and I asked Brandon Bean about this at the combine is okay. You draft a couple guards, you like them, but they're not good enough to fit on your 53 man roster. You put them on your practice squad and lo and behold, Jack Anderson's heading out to Philly. That's and right. so you, it's, it's kind of a dangerous game to play, but listen, that's, that's the, that's the game. That's the nature you got a roster as good as this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got well, I've got a I've got a bunch of questions. The problem is is like stuff is happening. So why don't we real quick go through, and questions be damned at this point. Why don't we go through real quick? Just Tim Settle, uh, just your opinion of him of him, uh, Daquan Jones. Your opinion of him, just for those that maybe aren't aware that the Bills picked up these two guys. So just kind of give us kind of the value in those two players. Yeah, so I got to be honest with you. Uh, you uh, uh, so politely interrupted my Daquan Jones uh, research <laughs> session, and I have not really done the deep dive on him. He did play his first seven seasons in Tennessee before going to Carolina last year. This guy has started every game he's played since his sophomore season. So this is mm -hmm. a guy that comes in with an absolute load 
uh, of experience and a guy that, you know, he's been really uh, productive in his last few seasons. And I, mm-hmm. I was looking at his snap count as well. Uh, he's, he's getting on there in age, but he's still up around 641 snaps last season, 706 in 2020. He's not going to be asked to do that. So you could keep this guy super fresh as part of that rotation. Right, and I right. think settle to me, this reminds me of the Jordan Phillips move a couple years ago. This is a guy, I know he was a fifth round pick as opposed to a second round pick that Jordan Phillips was, but this is a guy that I got a text message from my brother-in-law, huge Washington fan lives in Virginia. And he said, damn it. I am pissed off. This guy is good. The problem is he can't get on the field. He's playing behind Jonathan Allen, uh, mm-hmm. Matt Ioannidis, uh, Deron Payne. There's so much talent on the defensive line. He just hasn't been able to get into the mix. He thinks he's going to be a three down player and earn himself a pretty big contract at the end of this two year run. And how, what better of a situation can you find for the Bills in this two year Super Bowl window than a cost controlled player that's playing for that next big contract? Right. Yeah, totally think- agree. And and he spent time in a place where he got to learn from some pretty great guys. I mean, mm. you you have to be a, a complete vegetable to be in the film room and not see greatness and try to emulate it. So mm. he comes from a place not where there's a dearth of ability, but you know, all all of these riches, all this eye candy. And if you're paying attention, you know, you're borrowing from other people's game all the time. And mm. and that excitement that you know what they do up front in Washington. You know, he brings a little of that with him. I think it's, I think you're right. Do you do you think that settle is actually what made Harrison Phillips somewhat expendable? Say that again. You broke up. Sorry. Do you think that settle is what made Harrison Phillips expendable? Without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. I mean, six and a half million per season annual. And listen, that salary cap kit's probably going to come in at closer to four, four and a half in year one, depending on the way that they uh, structured that. But even that, like we could be looking at this Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, their their two cap hits. That might be about what they are combined this year. And so that was really what it came down to. And the big thing with Harrison Phillips, what's not to love about this guy? In a perfect world, the Bills bring him back. Great in the community. Elite teammate, great leader in the room, what he does on the field. The problem is the injury history. It's a little bit dangerous to give him a multi-year deal until he really proves it for a couple. Now, depending on how they structured the deal, and I'm sure Minnesota structured it in a smart way, or maybe they gave him enough guaranteed money to make it a a true two-year contract. But if they can get out of it after this year, that's something that maybe the Bills would have considered. But I just think with a guy like Settle and all of the potential upside and the injury history with Phillips, it just kind of made sense to me anyway. Gotcha. Got a super chat uh, from our guy, Brian Bowers, friend of the show. I told Matt Perino earlier, uh, this earlier on Twitter, I do not want to see uh, Cody Ford starting <laughs> on this team again, backup role only. And we kind of didn't land anywhere with Cody Ford. So, so Brian, thank you for the super chat. Uh, as far as, you know, does he, does he make this roster? Does he get a shot at starting? Just real quick, what your thoughts are, or is it, is he kind of slotted for a backup role at right tackle or right guard? Sorry. I think right now, without Ryan Bates back on the roster, he's slotted in at right guard right now, but we have the entire offseason to go. I mean, we're talking about, you know, who knows if they don't get to a spot. Like, Brandon Bean's always looking. I could see, like, a vet, a, a trade before training camp. Like to 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 grab a veteran to br- come in here and and knock Cody Ford off the spot if he's even there when we get there. I, I think it's way too early to say. But what I what I am interested in is, from my understanding, there's still belief in the building in Cody Ford. Whatever mm-hmm. level of belief that is, I think it's enough to to probably bank on the fact that he'll be at least a depth player because of the cost controlled, right. you know, part of his contract. Um, I thought he was a little bit better 
when he came in after getting benched on, in a couple of spot spots, uh, spots. But I think it was, you know, it was limited action. So we'll see how it plays out. I think if you're the Bills, you're probably hoping that Cody Ford isn't slotted at starting right guard going into training camp. You want him to potentially earn that job. And, you know, to Brian's point, maybe maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, I'll echo what Brian said. I agree. But for my dollar, what I'm thinking is uh, Cody Ford didn't play well enough alongside Daryl Williams, who was a very, very solid player. Yeah, he couldn't play next to that guy. And now we're going to ask him to play who's next to a still inexperienced Spencer Brown. Brown. Mm -hmm. I I don't. And I'm sure he's a nice guy. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure so that, I, I just uh, it's not it's not what I want, but obviously I ain't running things. No, and I and I think that that's valid. I think that that's valid. I think that one of my biggest complaints with the Cody Ford thing, and I think more so the reason why I've been a defender, is the rare mismanagement of a player's arc. You know, they drafted him and they talked up the fact that he they they saw him as a right tackle coming out like I mean Brandon Bean said that in his first press conference after they drafted him so he was miscast from the start because all of the draft experts and I know it's not always perfect but they were mm-hmm. saying that he was probably better off at guard and but you right. know the way they went into year one and I know they wanted to protect Josh and they had J- Ty and Saki but you you'd probably figure out halfway through that season all right we're he can't we can't stop this this rotation with Ty and Saki maybe we just move him inside right now be a little bit more aggressive but that was still early on in the build and he's just he's never had a home for more than a couple games. And you know what the sense that I got last season is that impacted him, his psyche, his mentality. And I thought that maybe if they found a a spot for him at left guard and gave him a bunch of games, maybe it would get better. They didn't have the time last year because they were trying to win a division and trying to win a Super Bowl. So maybe the, maybe sometimes you get to a point with a prospect, you get up to a point with a player where you just say it's time to move on. And speaking of moving on Harrison Phillips, uh, he's getting eight and a half million in year one with Minnesota. 13 million, 13 yeah. million guaranteed. So that's a guaranteed two year deal. The The Vikings gave him some, some security in that deal. Good for yeah. him. He was slotted by spot track to get 5.5 per. So if he's getting, yeah, yeah that's eight, eight and a half and 5.5. That's actually really, really good. It's funny because what you just said about Cody Ford brings two questions to mind. One of them, John can speak to, which is effectively that psyche part and that confidence part. The other one for me is the mismanagement of the offensive line, and I'll come back to that. So, John, can you speak to that as far as just an offensive lineman and that confidence piece? I mean, you came as came in as a, as a first round draft pick, and 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 didn't play left tackle your entire first year as a rookie, but you, I'm sure you've seen it. You've seen guys kind of ebb and flow through that confidence piece. Can you speak to that? Like, is it is it possible that Cody just kind of lost? I don't know, lost his groove a little bit. Yeah, see, I, I just can't agree with Matt on managing the player's arc. It, it just, to me, you go out and you own it wherever they put you. Mm-hmm. And if you got to be put mm-hmm. elsewhere than you thought you were going to be to begin with, it's because you didn't own it there. So now you got to own it somewhere else. And that is another part of my uh, hesitation about him moving back into the starting lineup. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with it. Look, I hope he proves me wrong, right? Because yeah, I yeah, want, sure. I want, I want the ring that says world on it, not AFC champion. Right. Uh, not that not that they're going to send me one. Uh, so I hope he proves me wrong. But uh, if he's uh, fighting for a starting role in training camp and he's the number two guy, I can live with that because he'll make the other guy better, I suppose. But yeah. I, I just don't see it. At some Here's point, what I'll yeah. say. Oh, go ahead. Here's what I'll say. I will. Uh, I will uh, cede my take to the former professional football 
uh, offensive lineman. So John Fina, book that. That is the the, the correct answer. Uh, I, I'd go to you before I'd go to me in that department. But I, I, I think got, I think to it, be fair, we're allowed to disagree, and there in between sure. shall meet. But I think a lot of that comes down to to John's point and to Matt's point. Both of you, I think a lot of that comes down to personality and generation generational differences. Mm-hmm. John and no, I were I don't raised think it's generational difference. That I think is, there are guys out there that own the job. There are head coaches that would tell you different. That guys like you and me, I'm 48, you're 53. We were brought up different. That whole own the role they give you is different. Like the coach speak as far as the way that they've, the books that I've read about head coaches having to like change their vernacular, like just to reach these kids and get them to understand and get them to play. I think there's something generationally different. I don't want to like expound upon that because that's not what we're talking about. We're not psychologists. As far, I'll say this about the mismanagement of the offensive line. You brought up Ty and Secchi. That's a great point. Ty and Secchi should have started over Cody Ford year one, period. End of story. Ty and Secchi was better. They protected him because he was the backup tackle. They did the same thing with Ryan Rick Bates. This is our backup guy, so we can't play him. And then finally they have to insert him, and he's the best guard on the football team. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that type of stuff, and I would like to not see that uh, He wasn't happen. better than Daryl Williams at guard. Uh, Okay, I'll, I'll I'll concede that as well. So um, let's do this. Let's move on. So <laughs> hey, I'm, it's my it's my birthday week. I got two concessions. I'm signing off. So there are Matt Perino, uh, beat uh, Bills beat reporter for NY Up. Uh, there's many rumors out there surrounding the Buffalo Bills and free agents, as well as trades. And you know, I want to know. We kind of want to know what you're hearing just from sources. And to me, this is going to spin into, you know, to uh, Daniel Hunter, right? I mean, because that to me is the the get. But what are you hearing out there free agency-wise? What are you hearing out there potential trade? Obviously, Saquon's out there. That name is out there. And then Daniel Hunter. What's what's on your radar? So, you know, and this isn't anything that I'm hearing necessarily. It's been pretty mum on the running backs. Like, I I have not heard anything, any any rumors, even in Indianapolis last week. That wasn't really a topic of conversation. I know I've seen a couple of reports out there. Uh, I I just can't see with money as tight as it is, the Bills willing to pull the trigger on a trade that's going to bring in that kind of cap figure for a running back. When I think that you saw that 10 game stretch from Devin Singletary last last year, I mean, he was yeah. among the best running backs in the league. And yeah. you have him on the fourth year of his rookie deal next this year. You could draft one this year, start to develop them. If, if Zach Moss doesn't develop, you develop the other one, and then you kind of just switch the, you let somebody else pay Devin and you kind of move on. I mean, that's kind of the model, I think, that winning teams kind of uh, enforce currently. Now, the Daniil Hunter thing is a little bit more interesting because I think that could materialize at any time. And that's one of those things that I think that's more about why the, you haven't seen something specific happening with Cole Beasley yet. It's almost like an ace in the hole for Brandon mm, Bean that he can right. play at any time. Once you move that that contract off the books, whether it's part of a potential trade, a Daniil Hunter trade or, 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 or elsewhere, then you can kind of package that together and make the numbers work. You're probably going to have to give hunter a new deal if you trade for him and there's going to be some more work that you have to do on the back end with restructures whether it's the extension for digs trey white's deal deon dawkins can get restructured some of those high cap figures um but yeah i don't think anything necessarily is imminent right now it's 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 the same old same old with brandon bean fill as many holes as i can here See if something materializes fine, but then draft best player available and see where you're at at the other end of that. There's always going to be players available if you want to take a kind of a big swing. What I am hearing about the Chandler Jones thing, I will say, 
is, and this is anything spe- specific, just, you know, league chatter is that, um, Jones is one of the people that went to the, that went to the bills. I think that that's kind of been established, yep, yep, right? Yep, yep. The money's got to meet, right? That's going to be the problem. How much is he willing to take less to join a team that he wants to be a part of and make a run at the Super Bowl? Cause he mentioned it the other day that that's yeah. something that's really important to him. I don't know if they're going to get to a place because Brandon Bean just has to pinch so many pennies and even a hunter trade. There's so many moving parts to that, that, I don't know. Like I'm not predicting it. Everybody always asks me, what do you think? I think there's a chance, but I think when you get to that, it's why he's going so heavy, you know, with these kind of affordable deals in the interior that maybe that helps unlock some of these edge players. John's got Cerveza going over there. Um, (laughs) This is why I love doing this show with John, because there's a lot of inside of content creation. There's a lot of guys that have opinions. There's a a lot of guys that have been educated, I have the luxury, the pleasure, the honor of doing a show with a guy that played at the NFL level. So when it comes to Daniil Hunter and it comes to Chandler Jones, for me, Daniil Hunter is a 4-3 edge rusher. He fits the scheme. The Bills want to rush four. They want to get home with four. That's what they want to play, a, a base nickel 4-2. Chandler, jo- Chandler Jones is a 3-4 linebacker that plays on the outside. Now, I know that he's got the size. Jerry Hughes is another guy that came from Indianapolis as a 3-4 edge rusher, and Jerry Hughes had a lot of success in a 4-3 opposite Mario Williams. I just, what is the fit? Daniil Hunter fits, right? That's a plug-and-play guy. Bang, fits. Chandler Jones seems like it's a, we're going to try to force this to work, but I could be wrong. Well, I think if it's Chandler Jones, he's a, you know, more of a third down specialist type guy, but then you don't want to pay that kind of money for that, that, (laughs) you know, not a three-down player. Uh, Matt? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's 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 got to be a scheme fit. And I, I think what you like more than anything is, and I've actually talked to Leslie Frazier about this before because I've always wanted to get a little bit of, a, you know, an idea of, all right, when I'm preparing for free agency, should I cross off guys like Hassan Reddick because they're those stand-up, you know, more traditional outside linebackers that, you know, you just kind of let them pin their ears back and they don't have that kind of versatility. And he said, listen, we're, we're looking for good football players. And at the end of the day, I think that's what Chandler Jones is. He's not going to be this stout run defender, especially at this age. But I think that you do want, like, if he could come in here and, and play that Jerry Hughes role and and finish a little bit more, like, I think if you if you play 17 more games, I think there's always a chance that Jerry Hughes could have more sacks. I mean, his pressure right. rate was always super high. Right. But Chandler Jones is a guy that has consistently done it, and he has those big, splashy games. I mean, he had five sacks to open the season last year, and everybody thought, okay, is this going to be the defensive player of the year again here? So, I don't know. It's it's probably a better question for you know the football minds. You know, John, like what, like he was mentioning, or, you know, inside that building, do they think that they can find a role for them? And, and is it cost effective? I, yeah. I don't know. Got the super chat coming in from uh, Pimarutu. I guess that's how that would be pronounced. Uh, he's asking, I'm guessing, Matt Perito, will Gabe Davis make <laughs> uh, Christian Kirk money eventually? Um, my first go would be probably not with Stefan Diggs on this football team, but. Yeah, not with us. <laughs> That's the problem. And, yeah, and I'll tell you, I mean, unless there's an, ex, you know, the salary cap, I don't know how, how fast is it like the universe is ever expanding and how fast. Yes. But it's at expanding. some point, you know, you're looking at, there's got to be a depression in some salaries because so many are making more. I mean, you have offensive linemen making more money 
than ever before. Everybody's making more money than ever before. Especially this and week. There's going to be fewer opportunities to really hit those, you know, mega millions paydays because so many of the teams are, are going to be spreading out the money at a much higher level. I think the disparity is less than it used to be. Yeah. I, said I could be wrong. And I'm not a, I, 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 the thing I hate most about all these discussions is when somebody talks salary cap, my eyes roll in the back of my head and I'm like, forget <laughs> it. I, I can't do that kind of math. <laughs> I don't have enough spreadsheets. There's not enough wall space. I'm actually, I was just talking about this today. It's, it's um, a couple of local uh, folks reported numbers. And I was talking to Joe B who had the scoop on uh, a couple of the contracts. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's, that's like uh, reading Spanish to me. So like, I don't, I don't dip my toes too far into the, the, the contract numbers and everything like that. I'm just not a money guy. I'm not a business guy. Uh, but I will say on the Gabriel Davis stuff, it's interesting. You know, you're not gonna have to worry about paying him for two more years, and the cap right. is expected to balloon. I was listening to a podcast last week, one of the uh, the contract guy or the salary cap guys, and they were talking about the con- the, the salary cap and in, in, around them being like two fifty. And yep, so yep. there's gonna be a ton of money. But here's the thing that I think maybe if you're out there and you're in that camp of like, all right, draft a wide receiver in the first round. That might be a, a really nice way to keep Gabriel Davis's costs down is if you bring another high impact receiver into the mix here and you got to spread stuff around a Stephon Diggs, a Jamison Williams and a Gabriel Davis and a Dawson Knox. It's hard to put up the kind of numbers and or maybe you don't need the numbers because I don't even think Christian Kirk's numbers are, are really jumping off the page at you. Um, and I think it's about setting the market. The Jacksonville Jaguars are out there just given mon- Christian yeah. Kirk getting 85 million Zay Jones getting 24 million maybe yeah. as much as 30 million wow yeah that 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 uh that Christian Kirk contract is higher than what the potential extension for Diggs is when you're looking at just the, the contract stuff it's it's a little bit out of control so in regards to the draft and this is a a, a hot spot or a hot point hot topic for John uh Levi Wallace is out there I don't see a world where the Bills pay Levi Wallace $9 million a year, especially when he's the ninth ranked out of 10 ranked defensive backs that are, or cornerbacks that are available currently. Mm-hmm. Dravius White isn't coming back to what, week five, week six, week seven of 2022? Where that's, the Bills- hey, that's my biggest concern about this entire football team. For right sure. Now. So the Bills, yeah, in my opinion, are drafting, they're drafting corner, right, round one. There's no way they're not. No, they have to. Here's my thing, and I, I agree with you. But I think um, I don't think that you can be patient this year when it comes to cornerback. If you address all these other needs, I think you have to be aggressive and go get your guy. If that means trading up to pick 20 from 25 to go get Andrew Booth or Trent McDuffie, right. whoever right. you think, maybe maybe Derek Stingley doesn't run well at the pro day and he drops. Who knows? Like, you know, something crazy and you want to trade up and get your guy, whoever your guy is. Like this might be the time to be a little bit aggressive, like the opposite end of the Trey White situation when you were very uh, not aggressive, traded mm-hmm. back and landed an elite corner. Maybe this time you go up and get one because I do agree with John. I think we're getting to the point where, all right, you drafted all these defensive linemen. I mean, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham. It's time to start drafting some fast cornerbacks because that was one of the big issues in yeah. that Chiefs game. Well, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. Although in the Chiefs game, we did get some decent pressure. The guy did, mm-hmm. we just couldn't get him on the ground. When I go right. back and look at the game, it was like, oh, and he was gone again. Right. Uh, when I look at what they did bolstering the interior defensive line, I think, you know, Basham rushed tackles in college. 
Um, I think Ed Oliver has that skill set. You got Rousseau, you got Epinesa. I, I think there's a pass on the edge guy as far as the draft goes. So the draft leans directly toward defensive back. And you might even say you, you go trade up in round one. And if you don't have to give up your round two pick, you go double deep on, on corners. Mm. I, I, I don't see why not. I mean, you know, you're one injury away. Well, I think what's getting missed here as well is the fact that speaking of the Carolina train, right. And, and hopefully <laughs> Christian McCaffrey's not on that Carolina train, but AJ Boye got cut today and he's yeah. a, he's a quality capable cornerback and we know how much this staff likes carolina panthers have you heard anything about that yeah i tweeted that out i got a bunch of dms and angry dms saying oh he's always hurt he stinks <laughs> and i'm like i'm like i'm just putting some eye emojis on this i'm not trying to like start a fire but i think boye is a, a, a fun name to talk about because listen he's had some high-end production at times in his career and listen for guys that are, are suffering injury problems this the bills are like the you know, the fountain of youth. I mean, they, yeah, they keep yeah. guys healthy around here for the most part. And so, yeah, yeah I like, I like, uh, I I'll tell you this. I like an AJ Boye low contract at one, 2 million, whatever it ends up being, as opposed to trading for like a James Bradbury, when you got to eat a 13 million cap it and pay out the rest of that contract. Listen, I right. know he's a great player and he could be that really elite CB too, but you still do have Trey white. I think it's about building around that and finding some young talent in the draft to John's point. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned into the Off Tech with John Fina show on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network with our special guest, Matt Perino. We got you for about five more minutes. So why don't we roll over to probably what isn't talked about enough, but should be, which is backup quarterback. The Buffalo Bills have one rostered quarterback. Do you want to say something, John? I, I was just about to say backup quarterback and tight end. Yes. Those are the two one, biggest and I, I want to hear about from Matt. I have a thought that I said on overreaction on the post game or on the overreaction show last night, no longer post game. Cause it's not season, but so I have, a, I have a, I have a thought. What You're are still you overreacting all the time though? I have <laughs> Correct. <say>. I'm <laughs> right in the face. So Matt thoughts on backup. Cause my heart says, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod Taylor fits this offense. Well, that's not what my brain says. Where are you at on backup quarterback? Oh man, I think Tyrod Taylor is an is an elite backup quarterback. The problem is, does does he want does he really want to come back to to the spot where you know I think he probably felt like he was done a little dirty. I mean, he, I, I I don't have that. I, I I know he's had some comments about it um, right, over the right. last couple of years since he left, but like from a football standpoint, like I love that idea, especially at what it probably is going to cost. I like the Fitz idea. Listen. Even not even from a football perspective, which I think he can keep the train rolling for any amount of time that you need him. But like you're telling me a guy that comes in in, in the middle of the winter, a Buffalo winter, to watch a Bills playoff game right, shirtless. In, in that weather, shirtless. Like, are you kidding me? Like the story writes itself. So it, that that has just made too much sense. But I could see, like, you know, people gave me a lot of stuff for this the other day, but like, and John seems like he's very like I, backup quarterback is important. And I, I guess I'm not as, I don't find it as much of a priority just because I think if, if Josh Allen goes out, depending on, I don't care who you have, you're, it, it, you, you, your offense is changing, but it's not, it's not about getting on the field. The importance of the, backup Oh, okay. Quarterback. Ah, it's, okay, it's okay, not, okay. I don't, I don't expect him to go in and play football, but you got to have somebody that works with him, you know, in film, you know, and mm -hmm. you don't always want to go to your coach. You know, you can't always go to your coach, they got these stock pad answers a lot of times. You get more creativity from your colleagues, right? So just being able to see 
the somebody else has that perspective of having been on the field and they're looking at it mm-hmm. through the same glasses that you are but coaches are now they're outside whether they played in, in the past or not they look at it from a very different perspective and having that camaraderie and the right guy that's the right fit for Josh Allen that that's going to be a big big thing the quarterbacks have crappy throws and they can't just get beat down you know sometimes the, your your teammate says yeah dude I, I see what happened to you out there coach isn't mm-hmm. saying it because that's not his job he's not here to console you but I see it. I feel you. You know, mm. I feel where you're coming from. And that's a huge role. So who, who are you thinking, Matt? Who would you get blamed uh, for? I, I think I'm going to change my take on this after hearing John talk about it a little bit. Because um, I think it's we're so quick to, like, you know, move on from things, right? Like what John was talking about there with Josh Allen over the first few years. It's like, all right, like he needed, you know, Derek Anderson. Then he mm. needed Matt Barkley. And, you know he gets to a point where, you know, Mitch was a really good guy in the room. So that was even a, a tool for him. Right. Yep. But then you get to this point where he just goes scorched earth, earth in the playoffs. And you're like, all right, backup quarterback doesn't matter. I guess that was my take on it. <laughs> right. And so from a football perspective, I thought Cam Newton would be interesting because I think mm. if you do need a three to five game stretch from a, a, from a tool perspective, I think Cam can do a lot of the things that you asked Josh to do, not with his arm, because obviously we've seen, the digression of, of, of that arm talent over the last couple of years, but just from a knowing familiarity with Ken Dorsey, they had a really good relationship in Carolina knowing, you know, just who Ken Dorsey is as a coach and as a person and, and finding a way to mix into that room. But the more I think about it now, listening to John is like, I don't know if that necessarily the film work was something that, you know, Mac Jones brought up that wasn't great with cam when he was working with him early on last season. So maybe that doesn't work. Um, but yeah, finding the right one. But I think I, I think Brandon Bean's done a really good job over the last couple of years at you know pulling the right strings when it comes to who he puts in the quarterback yeah. room. They're going to miss Davis Webb a lot. I spent a lot of time with him last season doing that story uh, that I did on him last offseason. and you know and he that, was just invaluable. And that yeah. that that just brings us right into that culture concept, right? I yep. mean, you you got to have that relationship. You got to bring the right guy in. If it's Cam Newton, that's fine. If it's Tyrod Taylor, that's fine. If it's Kyle Allen, that's fine. That, but it's got to be somebody. Yeah, he gave it away. So that's that to me. That to me is the guy. To me, the guy and Bills Mafia is not going to like it. But I to me, it's Kyle Allen, just because mm. he's been on two crappy football teams. He's seven and ten. Uh, he's he's got a sixty three percent winning uh, uh, completion percentage. And oh by the way, he's one of Josh Allen's best friends. Like that's me, it right there. Yeah. That, that really that really plays for me too. Like what that's that's going to bring a real good vibe to the room. And you know you can right. trust him in a short spot. Right. I like that idea. If yeah, you guys, if you guy. could have been in the locker room and saw the relationship between Frank Reich, Gail Gilbert, and Jim <laughs> Kelly, you would absolutely. It, we, we would have talked about it for four seconds. We'd have all just nodded our heads and mm-hmm. said, I get it, because Jim's greatness stemmed from the collaborative yeah, for you sure. know, understanding between colleagues. You know, Schaffner was a great guy, but Jim Schaffner didn't coach Jim Kelly. And the film breakdown, that was all Frank and Gail and Jim, you know, heads together. And, you know, you, it's such a small room, too. You know, you can't look very far until you're looking at the wall and there's nobody there. You know, the mm-hmm. offensive line room's got nine guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always, you know, you don't find a sympathetic ear. You can turn the other way, look behind you, or knock the guy on the head in front of you. You know, in the quarterback room, you know, you spin your chair once, and you're like, it's just us. Just and the three they, of us. There has to be solidarity. 
Yeah, we're getting ready to let uh, Matt Perino go. Before I do, I'm going to give you this last one from Dave Reed, who says, Fitz would be a great, but every team he goes to ends up being the starter. I don't want that mojo. That's not <laughs> happening in Buffalo. So, uh, <laughs> Matt, do us a favor. First of all, thank you for joining us. Thank you for thank you for giving us some of your time on this very, very, like, crazy, kind of busy, hot Monday. Uh, tell us where everybody can find you. Yeah, man. Uh, at Matt Perino is the, the, the best spot. Everything funnels through uh, my Twitter account. Uh, I, I'm, ex- I'm hoping for some late night action here. Why not? I'm going to be up. we got a show coming up at 10 <laughs> o'clock. Uh, so yeah, as soon as this show ends, uh, feel free to join us. Uh, me and Ryan Talbot over on uh, Buffalo bills on NY up. We'll be going probably till 11, 1130 tonight. A lot nice. of uh, fun things to talk about. Thanks for having me guys. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, awesome. Great. Great. We could, we could probably talk for three more hours, but uh, I'm going to yeah. let you go. <laughs> Actually, why don't we just get, bring Ryan in? Just bring Ryan in. We'll I know, right? Just bring it in. Just do it like a round table. Yeah. John, John's right got here. more beers to drink. He, he's been, t- drink, he's been talking for a couple hours. I just hours. went to Costco yesterday. I got that suitcase of IPAs. <laughs> Ooh, you're feeling it. Nice. Yeah. Awesome, man. Have a great night. Enjoy this. Enjoy this three days. So it's going to be fun. Thanks. Cheers, man. Take care, boys. Thanks for coming. Let it bro. So that was Matt Perino from New York up. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, this has been, dude, I'm going to be honest with you for a day that started out it, expecting, expectingly for me to be hot. Like I expected 12 o'clock out of the gate. The bills were like making moves. Like it's stuff's going to happen. And it kind of like, was like, right. And then, it, and then all of a sudden, like it ramps up into the evening. So yeah. the next two days are going to be wild in my opinion. And the trades are definitely not, you know, dependent upon free agency the trades are going to happen on their own so if they do trade for daniel hunter or if they do trade for saquon barkley but the free agency stuff like they've got some holes to fill so what what, what did you what was your biggest takeaway from what matt said you know i i just really felt like he knew a little bit more about those interior guys and i think you know kind of when he said that to me i just thought of the skill sets it made me think all right two bigger bodies in there Ed Oliver coming off a really fantastic year. Mm-hmm. And then Basham, who's sort of like undefined at the moment. Rousseau and Epinesa, who need a little bit more help uh, in developing. It, it just it just made me think, you know, it, these two guys give them much greater versatility on the edge. And the, the push for going and getting Hunter may not be there. I mean, Rousseau, like we talked about earlier, Rousseau's going to be a better football player next year. Yeah, he is. Epinesa better be. He's in that, you know, we had that conversation at the beginning of the last season where I said, Ed Oliver has, has to have a breakout year. Yep. He has to do some good stuff, and he did. And, uh, you know, Epinesa better feel that pressure. And I think Rousseau, uh, not necessarily the pressure of it, but the desire from being in that group, you know, being that close, being yep. in that game. Yeah. You know? I just feel like they got, they, they're, they're good. <sighs> there was conversation. You said it and Matt said it about, you know, two down guys, three down guys. Mm-hmm. The bills don't have two down and three down guys on the defensive line. They yeah. rotate them way too much. I uh, said, I, see, I don't, I, I think they rotated them because they didn't have the two interior guys that they needed. You know, Ed Oliver's not huge and they needed the big guy. And I think as well as Star Latulale was playing, he just wasn't that disruptive kind of guy. He had moments, and I like him, and I think he, uh, you know, he served this team well. Yeah. Well, going back to what you asked earlier, what Matt Perino said, I think you know, I had been thinking you got to go, you got to get the cornerback that you need, and to hear him say that nine draft choices is a lot. You know, we can wheel and deal and make a smart play and get the guy. It's just scary, man, getting a rookie 
and putting him in that position. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't look at it as how often that, that works out for you, but it's gotta be a special guy that can step in and play. Yeah, and sure. at the very least, and who else is there? If Tredavious white is out for the first, you know, say three games, even you got, is it Taron Johnson? Dane Jackson. Sorry, Dane Jackson. Excuse me, Taron and Dane. Cam Lewis. Yeah, I think you got you got to get a guy, and then you they're, they're going to draft somebody. So yeah. Wild Wild Goose got plucked last year. Not that Wild Goose was, you know, something amazing, but he got plucked last year. So they right. lost last year's draft pick, who was I think he was taken in the sixth or seventh round. It was late. Um, they're going to have to draft somebody, but that that AJ Boye, I mean. I got a cat whining down here somewhere in the basement. I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, I heard it. yeah, the, the, the AJ Boye is an option. There's guys out there. The problem that I have with the whole situation is like I said, is just, you know, when, you know, Levi Wallace, you know, if there's, there's 10, you know, the top 10 ranked cornerbacks that are available right now in free agency and Levi's number nine, and he's pretty much spot track has him getting 9 million a year. I'm out. <laughs> no, and I, I don't disagree with you. Um, and that's that's the decision. That's the hardest decision, I think, for this for sure. offseason. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. It, it might even be an easy decision based on cap space. Yeah, you know, it made that may make it for you. My my uh, you know my biggest disagreement with Perino was at that right guard spot. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand the cap, and I'm not going to pretend I do. But uh, I it, it, obviously they can't release Cody Ford. Right. So yeah, they're they're in a kind of a situation where that just even from a depth standpoint, he's going to be on this football team regardless. I just I don't want to see the Bills put themselves in a situation from a mismanagement of that off- offensive line again, like we saw with Brian Winters, where he was clearly clearly not the best guy. Bobby Hart on this football team, Vlad Dacos on this football team, they just have a they have a they have a they they just have this pattern where they put the guy out there that's not the best guy for whatever reason. Just play the five best guys. Yeah, but we've talked about this. It's not always that easy to see who the best guy is. I mean, training camp and practices and the meeting room, you know, we don't know that guys are showing up on time, that they have the right answer if they're getting tested, you know. I mean, we had guys you'd think, oh, this great football player. He's got the body. He looks right. But, you know, you got to know the offense. So Right, for sure. And I mean, it'd be hard for me to say whether or not, this guy's better than that guy in those regards because I'm not in the I'm not in the locker room. Yeah, for sure. So what do you want to do? So we we talked about this being a special episode. We've got a whole bunch of people watching live, and thousands of people are going to listen to this thing in podcast form. Tens of thousands, tens of thousands, tens of millions of people. So do we want to keep going a couple weeks up into the draft? Do you want to do you want to make this a one off? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think we uh, we put a a little bit of a stay on it unless we see something you know, that, that makes sense for us to get back together where it's, you know, something that happens in the division. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which by the way, I, I haven't followed any news on the jets, the dolphins and the Patriots. I don't, I don't know what moves they've made anybody in the chat who wants to bring something up. I mean, obviously between you and I and the people in the, in the comment section right now, we're focused on, you know, our logo and, and the moves we need to make. I don't foresee especially with the coaching change in Miami, the right. Patriots. I'm not a huge believer in Mac Jones uh, and the Jets are the Jets. 
but it, it's always interesting to see what your you know your division is doing. The only thing that but I've I don't seen, I don't see them as a threat. The only thing I've seen, well, the Dolphins are ramping up. The Dolphins have re-signed uh, a lot of their guys. They've signed some other guys as well. So the Dolphins are doing a pretty good job. Matthew Judon uh, tweeted out this recruiting stuff is hard work. So obviously he's calling all of his friends and saying, "Hey, come to the Patriots." To which I tweeted at him that gif of Josh Allen. Right, yeah. <laughs> which is from the playoff game, and he re he replied to me, "What did I do to deserve this?" Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> you know, I I applaud him for putting that out there. You know, he seems probably like a decent guy, I guess. Uh, and it, it it is hard to recruit there. I think. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, not sure. the same team. Yeah, somebody, I think there's uh, a I think there a, a Paul has been casted. Yeah, uh, over there in New England. Somebody put out. Somebody put out today that have have the Patriots become the site the free agency Siberia. Like have they yeah, taken saw, that title from Buffalo? I saw that too. I don't know. Hey, look, I don't, I don't mind. You know, I don't hate the I, I hate the Patriots, but I don't hate the people. You know, I've said this a hundred times because my history isn't with the Patriots. No, you know, my Dolphins. history was with the Dolphins. Um, but it, it's curious to see that, and a lot of Bills fans kind of reveling in that. I don't share that revelry. Uh, nearly as much because everything that I did that mattered was when I strapped on the helmet and the yeah. pads, you yeah. know, that, that was my biggest uh, focus and yep. my yep. biggest enemies were when I wore the stuff. But as a fan, it, it was like, Oh, well, I mean, we were look the bills, the drought was so bad. I mean, we should just hate every team in the AFC. <laughs> you know, we, we were like intermittently lost to all, well, regularly, not even intermittently lost to everybody. Everybody. <laughs> they just show up and it was like a you know we got a good shot at this our, our starting quarterbacks down we have no receivers our dbs are are limping right. we could beat the bills right right oh the jets apparently according to the real chris yankee said uh that the jets have signed uh tight end cj uzama mm -hmm. which to me is a huge surprise uh they've also signed tight end or offensive guard lakin tomlinson who is the second ranked number two Offensive guard available and Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman's not that big of a deal. So the Jets are making moves as well. But uh, well, they any, have to. They don't really have a choice. They got any do something. any final words before we uh, get up on out of here and let people go watch Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot at, at uh, ten. Uh, yeah, I, I should I should say you know the the process juice is still flowing. Agreed. You know they're they're making the right moves throughout the season. You know you and I might disagree about particular players and schemes and things of that nature. But in the end, you know, uh, they're in a position to beat the Kansas city chiefs. And I feel, believe the beat the Bengals, you know, and a yeah, yeah. couple of weird twists and turns. And we're in that, uh, you know, we'd have been in that big game. So uh, believe in it. And I think right now all the right moves are being made. I, I was sad to see Williams go. Yeah, me too. Um, but beyond that, I think, uh, I think we're seeing smart, GMsmanship. Yeah, I like that. I like that word, smart GMsmanship. Mm -hmm. Adam Stark has asked a couple times, "What did Matt say about Chandler Jones?" Just that you know, it remains to be seen if he's a scheme fit, if the bill, you know, how the Bills would use him, mm -hmm. and how often, whether he's a third down specialist, yada yada yada. For me, Daniil Hunter is the guy that fits that the best. Obviously, that's a trade. That's not a free agent signing. The well, money is probably going to be about the same. Go ahead. Do they take Basham and uh, Epinesa for him? 
right? I mean, and who, who knows what the answer who is? Knows what, who and I think, a, and I, a pick or two or one? I think they're, or, I think I they're trying to salary dump is what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, you've been tuned into the Off Tackle with John Fita show with your host, Joe Miller. That's me. And John Fita, that's that big guy right over there, my good friend. Uh, brought to you by Q42 on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Multicast Network. It's so good to have you guys. It's so good Man. to have. It's so good to be back. Like it's there's energy. Like there's yeah, energy. <laughs> those names in the comments section. So great to see everybody again. I it, it, I missed it. And Joe, I miss doing the show with you. And look forward to the next one, buddy. Awesome. Well, for John Fina, Joe Miller, for Matt Perino, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.